Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So we have a show document. It's an Apple Notes document. This is the only show that I use Apple Notes for. But it's uh, we we throw things in there slowly, you know. Like it's with my other shows, there's stuff going in every week. There's multiple people going in it at the same time. It's just more chill around here. <laughs> and we have a few things in, and uh, so I'm getting sitting down. I open up the note, I'm ready to go. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about the iMac. And then Tom says, uh, Dan says to Tom, should we talk about the Mark II? And Tom's like, oh, this is going to be a long one. So I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Uh, who wants to tell me? <laughs> well, so um, I guess it was like last week or maybe earlier last of the beginning of last week, we get this message from our um, like the pin manufacturer, which is like, uh, we have like a rest on the parts and we don't know what's going on. Whoa, what? So we're like, what? Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's stainless steel, right? It's like, that shouldn't rust at all. Well, and no, so the, doesn't rust take a while? I mean, maybe I don't know anything about well, rust, but. <clears throat> no, so it's not like rust, like uh, you would see like on an old, like saw or something that's like red and like flaky and whatever. But it's like if uh, it, it's because, well, so let me, so, you know, uh, so it's on the body part of the pin. You know, there's like the sleeve and there's the body part. And that part is like polished. And so they like machined all the parts and then they started the polishing process and they were, they got like 30 or 40 into them. Uh, and they like were polished. And then I guess they probably just were sitting for like oh, a couple hours and they started seeing like little tiny surface rust. And so it looks like it, if you were to look at it, it looks like, oh, it's kind of like blotchy or dirty or something. It doesn't it wouldn't like jump out at you. OK, uh, so it's like it's called rust and it is it rust, is rust. I mean, but it's it corrosion, isn't what right? you would rec- like recognize as rust. It's not like brown yeah, flaking yeah. off or whatever. No, no, no. It's like it looks like uh, like little dots. It looks like water spots or something, right? Oh, but because okay. it's corrosion, and, and so, but it is rust, right? It's corrosion. All right. And so they were like, I, I was like, I was like, well, that's unacceptable. Like, what you know, it's like a nice pin. Like, it can't be like rusting or whatever. <laughs> And so they were like, yeah, we're going to see if it's something dirty or clean. So they did some investigating. They finally took like, uh, they had like the metal analyzed, like, and it turns out that there's not enough nickel content in the stainless steel and the steel supplier messed up. Like the steel supplier did something wrong and there's not enough nickel in the stainless steel. And so it corrodes easier than it should. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Do you specify like a blend or like to to make yeah. some kind of need that you you want and they didn't match that or is it that there is a particular blend for what you ordered and they got that wrong? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So steel, you know, if you're us and you're not Apple, uh, you order steel and there's grades. So there's like because uh, they talk like about 300... what like air grade was it airline grade they always say like airline grades oh they, that's aluminum, oh, aluminum. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean there's like Sorry. thousands of kinds of steel and they mm-hmm. all have a number like you know th- there's the 300 series which is like 302 304 like there's all these different things and they all basically it's like different combination of these you know similar like nickel cobalt like all these different metals right copper and so for the sleeve part of the mark one we did. We just said any kind of 300 series steel is okay because we don't want it to be magnetic. And as long as it's stainless steel and 300 series, they can pick what machines best and like what they can get. And then for the body part, we said it's got to be a 400 series steel because we want it to be magnetic because that's the whole point. Like it magnets, it magnets into the sleeve. All right, but that's interesting. So you can choose the series, like choose the type of steel to make us. Sh- oh, so like it's not all magnetic. That that makes sense. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, again, how would I? But I never thought about. Yeah, that. how would you know? I mean, <laughs> how like, would yeah. I know? And, I typically so, don't have to care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, why would you? And you know, so when Apple is like, we made this new aluminium uh, that's all nice. you know, whatever, whatever. They are like, 
at of you know material science level like picking the combination of all these different mm -hmm. things and then having some steel foundry or aluminum foundry or something make that so th you know that's like you have to have like crazy scale to do that You're like we're nowhere near that but you know we are going to pick some you know there, all these steels exist and the really common ones are typically the ones that people want to use because they machine really well or they're cheap or like whatever so so we just let the manufacturer pick as long as they know it needs to be magnetic, we let them pick what it is because they're better at picking that and they know it machines well for their kind of bits they have and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it turns out that the nickel, there's not enough nickel content in the steel that it, that's supposed to be there. And so it corrodes easily. So they're remaking all the parts for the body. I... And so that uh, <laughs> was a, yeah, that was a real like kick in the teeth. Like, oh man really because we were like they were they we were like you know we had them send us like a set of like 30 or 50 parts and they had made those and they were sending them and that's when they figured out about this rust issue rust issue because that was going to be like the final sign off and then like okay do like do that polishing to all of the parts and send them to us right like completely done so then so that happened uh and you know eventually they discovered that problem and like okay we're like well the answer to this problem is you have to remake the parts which completely sucks and doesn't feel good but that's like they're you know they they accepted that like right away i mean it's just like a screw up that you know it's the way it is and then uh so i got but i we had them send those like lot of sample parts anyways just so we could test everything i mean yeah there's some corrosion on the parts but it's like you know that doesn't, we can still check in terms of like, are everything is made correctly and do the test we need to do. And during that test, we found two major problems uh, with the sleeve part of the what? parts. Yeah. So there, um, the sleeve, uh, the, the inside of the sleeve part, it has this like very specific geometry and that's what lets it like, you can when you post the body into the sleeve it like stops with friction and yep. then when you turn it around it doesn't and so there's kind of like a geometry in there that's very specific and uh basically they left they forgot to do one operation on the inside of that that kind of that smooths out this transition basically inside and uh without that without that feature inside without that operation it doesn't like when you post it it doesn't like stick yep. properly it doesn't like friction on fit on and so it makes the part like not it basically makes it not work it's not like a, oh this could be better it's like it just straight up like doesn't work and it just then, falls off right like if you yeah it just comes it, out it just slide you know, off yeah it slides off yeah um and then there was another issue in this sleeve where the where the magnet goes like it uh we had, I don't know if, we, I'm sure we talked about this, but we made, we made the magnet larger mm -hmm. um, at some point. And for some reason, they they made the magnets correctly, but they made the hole that the magnet goes in the previous diameter. I don't know. They must have like messed up the draw, like drawing or something. They like messed up. Like, so, honestly, at this point, it feels like someone was just picking things randomly with their eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things where it's so, you know, it's like, it's obvious that the the falling down is like there's not a person who is intimately familiar with their product yep. who's there with the with the engineering like manufacturing all the time like yep. the salesperson we talk to and interface with she knows like all these things but yep. she's not at the factory all the time and mm -hmm. so that's how these things happen i think is like there's just not a person. Yeah, what you need is standing there. The person that you have explained this to, and they've said, "Yep, I understand." And you're like, "All right, confirm you understand." Then they tell you they understand. <laughs> yeah. That person then needs to go and talk to the other person and make sure that they understand the same way. But it feels like the telephone game or something. And well, I think just that person who she always refers to as the engineer, uh, or like the engineers. Um, I think they get it, but then they just have so many projects going on. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, one of those yeah, things where it's just yeah. like, so I think it feels like an honest mistake. Right. And so they like accepted it right away. They're like, Oh no. And so, but what, so what they're going to do is they're fixing, they can repair, they can basically take the sleeve part and just go back and do that operation that was missing. So that's not a big deal, but the little tips that go on the sleeve, 
they're pretty small but those have to be remade because of it's there's just no way to like fix it basically so all the, when we were you know a week like i don't know a week and a half ago a week ago we were like oh we're almost done we got all the parts and now we have like no parts and yeah, it's horrible. We, you've gone from we were talking about this is going to look like you're going to be uh, on time. You're going to be assembling. Like it was a case of just yeah. basically one last thing, and then we can start putting these pens together. And now you're back to what, like, where you were a few months ago. Well, so, I mean, not exactly. So, um, I'll, you know, the t- the time of this project is like not. Uh, often the actual like straight up manufacturing right it's Mm -hmm. like this process of like them figuring out how to make it at scale getting the tooling doing samples it's like this back and forth that goes on forever and they weren't getting in the queue right is is yeah exactly important parts i suppose Mm -hmm. exactly and they weren't making these parts in earnest until the after the chinese new year like Mm -hmm. in they were they had started before right before the chinese new year but then the chinese new year happened and they got ramped back up so that's like the end of february basically or like mid so it hasn't been like so long it doesn't take them so long to actually make the parts so although it might feel like we're months and months off we she is thinking or the you know they're telling us that it's like you know about 30 days or something until we should be able to have everything so it, it kind of basically adds a month uh to to like when we thought we'd have like delivery of parts. So that sucks, but it's not like the end of the world. I mean, I'm talking about this in a kind of jovial way, but I've been like, we've been like super, super stressed out. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, because we're like, this isn't just one little, like the entire pen's being remade. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, the clips are fine. You know, the, the clips are all fine. The magnets are fine. And the upside of all this is that the parts that they sent, like, are great in terms of like the polishing's awesome. Yeah. The they're to spec in terms of like so it's like it's not like oh we were being sloppy. It's like no mm-hmm. they just something some wire got crossed with some dimension, but they made the dimension right. You know what I mean? It's like Yeah, I do have to go back to something that that you just said that time because I said like oh making the re- remaking the whole pen. You're like, oh the clip's fine and the magnet's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like these well, two tiny little Th- parts. Those are both important parts of the pen. <laughs> I have no doubt that they're important, but uh, the magnet is the essence of the pen. We got that yeah, but if you right. look at the cost, that's like a pretty significant. Cost. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it feels like a huge thing, but if you think about like, you know, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, it's I think of, I think Tom, you said this earlier, but I want to reiterate it. Like the. It sounds catastrophic to be like, oh, my God, you have to remake every part. And I mean, it is not fun for sure. But what Tom said is that, like, the manufacturing process is a long journey that actually making the parts is the very end of the journey. So we don't have to repeat that entire journey. We just have to repeat, like, the last step. So it's not even though it sounds terrible. Right. Like, if you had gotten the design wrong. Yeah, then it would right. take it right. would take longer, right? Because you've now right. got to get the design right before they can make yeah, it. Yeah, and then samples yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, this could be worse in so many ways. Like an obvious way it could be worse is like something is wrong with the pen. That's our fault, <laughs> and then we're you know on the hook to have it remade or like accepting the pen in a worse way. So that's a way it could be right. worse. And then that would um, be a, in, out of your pocket. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And another way it could be worse is uh, if we believe they actually can't make it how we want it. So, like, yeah. if like during the polishing step, it's like, oh, this is not as like smooth and seamless as we were hoping, and we just have to live with it. But like Tom said, we are like super happy with how these parts turned out it's just they made like a literal error (laughs) like they did something wrong that means the pen has to be remade but their craft and the way these parts are turning out we're super happy with which is that so that's the good news of all this we just have to wait longer now yeah so you know it sucks though It's 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 so it's like such one especially this like steel like material thing because it's one of those things where it's like you know, you never know what's gonna happen. You know, and it's like, yeah, well, there's a new one. So like, I want to, oh. I want to double check that I'm, I'm following. So, the body of the pen, the where like yeah. the actual pen part itself, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. They messed up the the recipe, as it were, of the, the mm-hmm. steel. Yeah. And now that yeah. whole thing, they're starting over again because there's no way to solve that. There's no way to fix that. Yeah, there's no way to solve that. And right. then the, like the, the cap itself, that can be mostly repaired but then they have yeah. to remake the part where the magnet goes in and these are exactly these yes. are wholly separate issues and yeah they'll be, they're separate yeah. and are the pen bodies and caps made at the same manufacturing place or do you have different manufacturers for that no same same place yeah, okay so you're only dealing with i mean that oh boy that was a bad day for that salesperson Whoa. <laughs> well it was well first the metal thing was like that was like a little bit before and then yeah. you know i found this after they we got the samples yeah no no good i'm sure that's not good uh for them i mean luckily the luckily is uh you know we've have a long relationship with them so i'm sure they're gonna you know lose quite a bit of money but uh which really sucks but at least like this isn't our first project with them and, and like yeah. won't be our last you know what i mean like you know They'll make it back. So, later. isn't it funny to think about sometimes? That, and I know I've been going through this with some stuff recently too. You know, every manufacturing job must be carrying the errors of other people and its cost. Oh yeah, no, they're like trying to yeah. Make and isn't up. That, I mean, I think it's like a wild thing to think about that like somebody else is also paying for this error that they've made in the future. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's just, I mean, I don't know, but I'm sure just, I mean, the amount of times that we've even had this company, like, uh, you know, redo parts or just do something, they must really build that in (laughs) to the price. There's no way they couldn't, right? Because errors happen so much. All the time. Yeah. That if they were pricing it exactly how much it cost and no more, these companies would go out of business immediately. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I, this happens in, in my experience that in Asia, they're re- they seem to be uh, very optimistic in, in, in pricing. And so, like, almost always we will get a quote and they will maybe even do the first run and they'll honor the price that they quoted at first. But then when their second run comes up, they're like, we need to make this more expensive. Like, we didn't make any money on this because it was harder than we thought. Um and so I think that also plays into things where, right. you know, obviously, like most people, they're like hopeful that it's going to work out. But then, you know, there's always some like issue or whatever. You're, so you're like, I think it's I'm quite getting a, a discount on this first one, basically, is how you would assume it every time. Like, it, it, I guess, from yeah. your experience, expecting that the next time you make it, it's going to be yeah. a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. And we could play that game, right? Like we could shop around suppliers, uh, you know, and like pit them off each other and try to get the absolute lowest price and stuff. But then you don't have this relationship, right, where, you know, they'll remake parts or they'll, you know, quickly do stuff. And so, um, you know, that's always the 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 tricky trade-off with this stuff is like, you know, part of me is like, man, this is like too big of an error. Next time, let's not use this manufacturer, right? But on the other side of that coin is like, well, we have a lot of like relationship and like leverage with them and they do fix it when they mess up. And so it's really hard to know like, mm-hmm. you know, when to look for something better or when you, you know, it's hard to know like the grass is greener problem. It is difficult, so, but like there is that, yeah. that I mean, it is, this is, it's a difficult game to play, but you do have the next time you make an order, this is what happened this time will be in everybody's mind. Yeah. Right. And so that can, be positive and negative but there can be a positive part of it of like she's gonna like quadruple check yeah right because they don't want this to happen again Mm -hmm. yeah and i think for us i know i think we are particularly picky uh maybe i think that's probably true and so i think there's always this process with us and manufacturers on all like on all in the u.s asia everywhere where they kind of learn like, oh, these guys are really picky. We should make no assumptions. Like we should check everything. And once we like go through that process and have like learned that with the supplier, it's nice because then they'll be, they'll really check on everything with us. They're like, do you, do you want it this way or this way? And that is often not assumed um, from the get go. And so once you have that kind of expectation built up, it's kind of hard to like leave it because it's like, oh man, we got to go through this again. Like we got to like, you know, kind of teach a supplier again. Like, no, we, we really are that picky. Like we, we, we care 
which way this thing is folded or whatever. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's, that is quite the process. So, you know, I mean, we, just to close out this Mark 1 stuff, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad because we have like all the, we have all the packaging here. We have, it's like literally everything ready to go. We're just kind of like, oh man, now we're just like having this delay. But luckily we are, we sent the, the batch of like bigger batch of samples to our Cerakote supplier. And so they're going to be doing that test. And so, I mean, there's still some movement we can make, you know, towards all this. It's not like the brakes aren't on completely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it is kind of like, man, all this package is just sad. The, the ink, the ink and the packaging <laughs> is just waiting here, sadly, for <laughs> for its pin home. But uh, so that's not good. But, uh, you know, onward, upward. Dan, can you, I'm intrigued about this, actually. Can you talk through with me the typical chain of events between the two of you when something like this happens? <laughs> well, uh, Tom does a real kindness. Uh, <laughs> he, depending on what the news is, he will often withhold uh, like <laughs> bad news from me <laughs> un- until uh, there is uh, a a way forward, or he needs my like input right. uh, or opinion about something. Um, so I question what that's doing to his overall health, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> he absorbs the majority of the stress. Uh, he's on the front lines, uh, in a lot of cases. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I mean this, so it's funny, the, Tom talked about all these errors and it was kind of like a two-step thing where when we heard that the bodies were wrong, our mindset was, Okay, well, that stinks, but if we are able to get the sleeves, we can be getting those seracoded while the bodies are being remade, and that the seracoding process is going to be a little bit of a bottleneck anyway, so mm-hmm. that actually seemed like not that big of a deal to have the bodies remade, because we could be moving forward. Um, so the real gut punch was when this like second thing happened with the sleeves and the caps to where it's now like, okay, everything is is being remade. Um, but yeah, it's usually, I mean, it's generally like Tom is kind of like interfacing with the manufacturer and, uh, you know, talking through solutions or what the path forward is going to be. And then he just communicates that back to me when it's kind of clear how things are going to move forward. (laughs) Tom, is there a reason you do it this way? Uh, well, I just know that Dan worries a lot and I, he, well, I do too, but I have more agency. Like, you know, I can talk to the people like, and so typically if it's a situation where usually I'll get some bad news from them and they won't have a solution yet, or I'll have specific questions that can maybe solve the problem. And until I have those answers or no, there's really no reason in just like making Dan stress out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like he doesn't have agency in terms of like talking to them directly or whatever. And so there's no reason, you know, there's just no reason. But in, in case, unless it's like we have a decision to make or mm-hmm. maybe he has ideas or like whatever. But when usually we're at this stage of like production, uh, usually, you know, the manufacturers are the ones solving the problems, right? Yeah. Uh, just because they're just way more familiar with it or whatever. So that's usually why. Um, yeah, there's just no reason to... Like, I just, you know, I don't want Dan just, like, staying up at night for no reason, like, tossing and turning, you know? Because yeah, as I, well, I like, think... it's it's not... I mean, I've have, I have this kind of relationship in a few different ways with the people that I work with. You know, of like, and I think, I think, or I believe that good working relationships always have this kind of thing of like, you understand the person that you're working with and you tailor the news that you give them. I mean, this is probably similar to all relationships, honestly, based on what mm-hmm. you know that they're willing to accept. And, mm-hmm. and as you say, like, you, you would know that he would be worried and doesn't really have anything to do. And I guess also, similarly, then all he can do is ask you which is going to make yeah. your job 
a little bit harder too, right? Because well, yeah, I mean, typically, it. I always feel better. Like if I have this bad news, mm-hmm. it's, I always feel better after I tell Dan. It's like it's you know, it, <laughs> it helps to have the commiseration yeah. and the yeah. like, you know. But I know that typically, you know, Dan is looking for me to have a solution on like a way out of this, um, right? And so I, it feels better, and I feel better if I kind of have that um, mm-hmm. to like bring because it just you know it feels better all around. Yeah. And so, and I've gotten used to you know definitely things can get stressful, and I feel stressed, but I have you know gotten used to dealing with these things. Um, it's been like a decade now, basically, since we've had our first huge manufacturing problem with the cosmonaut, like literally yeah. ten years ago. This stuff always so, is worse when it's new, right? Because yeah, it feels yeah. like it's catastrophic and impossible mm-hmm. to yeah. to resolve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so uh, yeah, you know. Well, I wasn't uh, expecting all the this. Name of the game. Yeah, <laughs> me, 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 us either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> us either. So you know we're we're gonna uh, so you know we have it. We're sending a, a Kickstarter update with all this info uh and we'll be mentioning this podcast so here's like a weird circular Mm -hmm. time warp (laughs) here but uh so yeah you know hopefully hopefully our backers will be understanding uh uh so we'll just see Mm. (laughs) i imagine that part's pretty difficult too right yeah i mean it you know but the thing that feels good of it is you know we've always had this approach of uh just being like incredibly straightforward and so uh at least we know what the answer is which is just like well we just tell them what's happening exactly you know we don't we don't have to there's not like a lot of like pr that has to go on you know mm-hmm. um so that is at least not, it's not like it's not antagonizing like it's not going to take us very long to write the kickstarter like update you know what i mean yeah uh, often we'll wait until we have like the plan going forward, so it's not just like this, not just like some open-ended question. Yeah. Before we kind of send an update, but um, but yeah. Yeah, and just to reiterate, to make people feel good again, uh, we I've been uh, playing around with the body here because we're making a final decision on uh, the spring that's going to go inside uh, on the neck of the refill. And uh, this is a super nice pen. <laughs> like I'm really, I'm Run really it in, excited. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah, ooh, I got one. It's got a little bit of rust on it, but other than that, uh, uh, like I think people are going to be really jazzed about this pen. Like I think it, it's just like really clean and nice. The uh, the connection point between because it unscrews obviously to get the refill in, and that's like a really clean transition. So I think people are going to be really jazzed when we it's very slick ultimately are able to ship these (laughs) let's talk about something that went really easily (laughs) which is the the new apple tv remote oh yeah 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 (laughs) so there's a new apple tv and a new apple tv remote and the remote is different in basically every single possible dimension Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I so I know because I, I saw that you did it. You have a new um, TV remote stand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old is? I mean, I, how old was the first Apple TV remote stand that we made? Mm-hmm. I feel like two thousand fifteen. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like six, just five and a half years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we, uh yeah the new apple tv remote is a real thick chunky guy <laughs> and so the little tiny sliver of wood that we had previously made to hold the little slivery slippery ridiculous old apple tv remote um had to change we were thinking for a second maybe it could work together but no that was dashed on the rocks really quickly so we um the whole tricky thing about this whole process though is that no one has an Apple TV remote yet because no. they're, they just went on sale. And not available until late May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the end of the month mm-hmm. or something. And so, but, you know, we could kind of tell from like the website and they had the dimensions and stuff. But if you're if you're making something that, 
you know, really fits the remote and you want it to be at a certain angle, you need to know like exactly what the remote's like. And so I went on this process of like kind of hacking my way into uh, getting a 3D model of it. And at first I was just kind of looking at pictures and trying to make it. But then I realized that Apple, you know, they have that like when you go on the Apple Store website on your phone, you can they have like an oh AR experience. Yeah, yeah. So you can download <laughs> if I opened I opened that file in Xcode oh. and you can download the the models like you can the STLs and stuff. And so from that, I was able to open that up and like 3D print one and then I could get measurements off it to make one. And so at first we 3D printed like a just like a one that was solid. But then we were unsure about the weight. You know, you don't want to be like tippy or something. And so I ended up making one out of aluminum, like a like that is the exact size. And then I kind of hollowed out some of it to make it the same weight and dimensions. And so we kind of have this weird dummy aluminum uh, remote, um, Apple, Apple TV remote, so that we could test the remote stand because we wanted to be able to put them on sale when people were ordering their Apple TV remotes or Apple TVs, just so, you know, because it made sense. Um, so that was kind of a fun little uh, scavenger hunt. But uh, <laughs> but it turned out, it was pretty, you know, I mean, we definitely made some changes. Like, we kind of, we kind of basically made what was a very, very simple Apple TV remote. We kind of made it more like a material dock in terms of, like, some of the styling and stuff. So. Right a little bit updated and modern but you know it's still a very simple little thing um that hopefully we should be starting production i think this week uh it's just our local guy making them who does the material docs so uh it should be pretty pretty straightforward to just get that out the door what (laughs) a funny way around of doing that that was really smart to use (laughs) what are they called usdz those files is that is oh, it one yeah. of those? Well, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. I, for a life of me, I was like, "There's got to be a way to get someone has made some hacky tool." But then I just opened it up in Xcode, and I was like, "Aha! Here we go." Xcode's pretty uh, fancy in that so, regard. There's lots of stuff. Do they not have for the? I guess not them for like the Apple TV, like those um, specifications, like you were able to get for MagSafe. Oh, the drawing. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think they probably eventually will. They just don't have it. They didn't have it yet, right? You know, because right. we wanted to get going like right away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they didn't. I don't. They didn't have them yet. I bet they eventually will. But, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's good. It good. I think people are going to be a little bit surprised by how heavy this remote is. Yeah, how, it's big, and, and how big it feels in your hand. Oh, yeah, good because be... I guess you have the little model now, right? Yeah, I've got an aluminum one. That's a big. Yeah. That's a big chunky remote right there. Fully work. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it is really chunky. It's not uh, the first thing in your brain when you pick it up is like, wow, this thing is thick. It's like it feels thick. It feels like no other Apple thing, huh? Because no other Apple thing feels thick anymore. You know, you're like mm-hmm. pinching everything when you're holding it with Apple. But now it's like it's you're literally like, like it. uh, yeah, you're holding it like yeah. a handle or something, huh? And so I'm excited yeah, about the the Apple TV remote honestly. I think it looks really good like for what I want yeah. what I want the Apple TV remote to be. Like this is a it's got everything cuz I didn't want to completely get rid of the swipiness, right? Cuz like right. there's some yeah. stuff it's really yeah. good for, but it seems like that they've really gone for best of both worlds in kind of one of those ways of like why didn't you do this the first time? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, that that remote is a real mystery. The, like the first generation, <laughs> like really skinny guy. It's it's very odd. It's yeah. one of those I think typical things where Apple believes it has a different product to what the world wants. You know, like they yeah. wanted to make a uh, remote that could also be a game, con- like the world's worst game controller, <laughs> and <laughs> nobody wanted to really play games that way. And so that's yeah. why, like, I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the new TV remote, if you're using a new Apple TV and you open pretty much any game <laughs> that's been made for the Apple TV, yeah. it tells you to either use the old remote or connect a controller because it just right. doesn't yeah. have <laughs> so many of the sensors in it. Like I get, I would assume it doesn't have a lot of the motion sensing technology in it that they put in the the, right. the other one either. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I think would be so interesting to learn if there's ever like a tell-all book uh somehow of like past employees is 
I can understand why bad products ship sometimes. Like these, some of these problems, you hope you know they obviously get caught before the product ships. But sometimes it's kind of like a leap of faith, and you're like, let's see how this behaves, how how the market reacts to this. So the thing to me that isn't shocking is that bad products occasionally ship, but it's how long, like why it takes so long to fix the problem. So like this, the Apple, the Siri remote was their remote for six years. Like they took six years to change it. So like what determined that who's, uh, who had the final say in that it's like, if they admitted that it was not the best, but they were willing to like stick it out because they didn't want to, you know, uh, have to do like R and D again on a new thing. Um, cause there's like examples of this and counter examples of this. So like the round, uh, mouse on the original iMac, like, didn't they kind of backtrack on that pretty fast? And yeah, they had and like the they, whole apology mouse they, they gave uh, thing. People the mice, so that, mice. yeah. So that to me is a good example of like, okay, we tried this thing. Like it was an interesting idea. Perhaps it should have never left the lab, but like we're fixing it. And then to me, like the butterfly keyboard and this, the original Siri remote are kind of uh, the examples in the other direction where it's like, man, this really stuck around for too long. <laughs> like what happened here? Like so, who, I personally a big fan of Tim Cook. I think he's done mm. incredible things. I, I find it very peculiar when people suggest that they don't like him when you look at Apple now and Apple before Tim Cook and its size mm-hmm. and scale and all the things that it does and how many successes it's had, especially that considering he's been the CEO for 10 years now. But this is one of those things where I wonder if it's a finance decision over a design decision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of like, well, we need to recoup the R&D on this product before we change it out. Right. Right? Because the example that you gave is a pre-Tim Cook example. Yeah. And yeah. the examples that you gave of why don't they change these things are a post-Tim Cook example. I don't know that that's the case. I'm not particularly stuck to this argument, but I don't yeah. know. It's a potential I mean, one. my, my kind of like naive perspective is like, what is Apple's most valuable asset and to me, it's like the recognition of like, we are a company that makes quality products that are like well-designed. And so anytime that they fail in that regard, like I personally, like if I was the CEO, I would be so terrified of like, oh my God, like our reputation is taking a hit. Like we need to do everything to, you know, finances be damned to like fix this problem because that is who we are. Like our whole business relies on, like people thinking we make superior products. Um, so but I think this is one of those things though, where it comes also comes back to like, they have a better sense of right. what actually affects it than we do. Right. Right. And it yeah. might be that like, there are times when it can affect it, but this isn't one of them. So like right. Apple maps, right? Like heads rolled because that was bad. You know, no, I don't think anybody got fired for the Apple TV remote or even the butterfly keyboard that we're aware of. At least nobody high mm-hmm. up enough, right? They didn't have to write mm-hmm. an apology for mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think that there are there are things that can happen that that affect them, uh, and there are things that don't. And, and I think probably they're the only people that actually really know what the real failure points are. Yeah. But I mean, I I to me, isn't this probably just uh, a priority thing like if you're in the mm-hmm. id team which i think is pretty small and you have this trade-off between oh we really need to address that horrible apple tv remote or oh we really need to figure out the new iphone or laptop you know whatever right. that is always going to get pushed down right, right? and yeah. if you need your because i mean designing a remote is not it's like They've kind of figured out, or they've been, they're so constrained on like iPads and probably even laptops and phones that those industrial design problems are like, uh, I'm sure difficult, but they're not, it's not like you can like blue sky it and be like, oh, what is this like? But a remote, I mean, they're not constrained by anything in terms of like technology. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm sure that's like a big, it's a different kind of big problem to do. And so I'm sure it's just a priority, like, you know, hey, team, should you work on the new iPhone thing or this remote? <laughs> and so it's like, well, right. it's easy to kick that kid down the road. Like, yeah. I see that. I mean, we do that all the time. For, for, the, yeah, yeah. for the remote, yeah. the example of the remote, 
I completely agree. But like for the other example that Dan mentioned, like the laptop yeah. keyboards, yeah, that well, took yeah. too long, right? Like yeah. yeah, that took way too long. Yeah, no, Tom. I think that I think there's a lot of validity in that, and that was my same argument when we were talking about the uh, the Magic Mouse and how I was kind of pro the ridiculous way it charges because to me that was totally like a resource allocation thing where it's like okay we're not going to invest to have industrial designers remake this mouse we just want to make it like rechargeable Mm -hmm. so like do that and (laughs) And it's like how i stand by the original way that the app the apple pencil the original apple pencil was charged as Mm -hmm. well right because people always make fun of it but like i think it makes it made sense but the device that you're using should charge the product. Like mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't have to take the Apple Pencil and go and charge it somewhere else. And Apple significantly improved the design for the second one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they obviously weren't designing the iPad Pro and the original iPad Pro and the original Apple Pencil together like they did with the second version. They clearly designed them in mind. But they didn't do that the first time. So when they designed the Apple Pencil, like, how are we going to charge this thing? Well, we put a lightning port on it. You can just plug it into the iPad. Awesome. Like, yep. people that used it a lot appreciated that. Even though it looked silly, that's what you want to do. If you had to go and, like, find the specific charger, even if it, like, had a, um, a lightning port on it that you put a regular lightning cable into, you still have to go and do that somewhere. So, mm-hmm, like, yeah. it looked silly, but it was very functional. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I think in all cases, basically, you know, Apple is such a large company filled with, even if everyone was dumb, they would still, like, you would, st- everyone knows what the problems are, you know what I mean? And so I feel like it's always, I bet it's rarely this problem of like, oh, they don't know that the Apple TV remote's bad, and they're just being stubborn. I'm sure it's just like always this trade-off question mm-hmm. of like allocating resources, right? Because mm-hmm. they know all these things, you know, that's like they mm-hmm. live and breathe this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I bet for the things that, you know, the kind of Apple community talks about where it feels like, why is this the case? Why is this the case? I'm sure almost everyone in the company feels the same way. And they're just like, well, we, sorry, we we, do, we just got to do this other stuff, you know? And so I just feel for, it must be so hard, especially with Apple and so much secrecy, being on the like, you know, Apple remote design team and just being like, oh man, yeah, it must be so hard just like hearing over and over again about this horrible remote yep. and then not having the time to fix it, you know, mm-hmm. be really hard. Can we get the jingle? Yeah, except I have a cough, so we'll see Maybe what happens. you could do like a low version today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Baritone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we all get low. <laughs> this is weird. Are y'all ready? I don't like Dance this. Tecona. No. <laughs> no? Okay. No, I'll do, for uh, <laughs> just a minute. Hey, uh, Dance Tecona. Perfect. That was very good. Uh, this, is, this is quite a monumental day today. Because we oh. actually get to revisit one of the predictions mm. that is in the mm. Apple Notes document that I referenced mm-hmm. earlier. There was a prediction made, uh, again, just this, the, the, the formatting in this document is bananas. Every prediction has an exact date except this one where it just says 2019. So at some point in 2019, Dan said... When the iMac is next updated, it will lose the chin and reduce the bezels, and an identical-looking display will launch at the same time. You got one out of three there, bud. I've got to hold my tail between my legs, I one guess. One out of three. Uh, I thought losing the chin and reducing the bezels was the safest bet in the world like mm-hmm. i didn't even think that was fair to put as a prediction because yep. it was like too easy <laughs> of, a, yeah. uh, of a guess so i think it's really uh i think it's interesting because when you see the product photo of this thing from the side it is like dang <laughs> yep. that, that does look really cool <laughs> how, like for me how thin personally it is. <laughs> i think it's way cooler to do what they did then completely remove the chin because if they wouldn't have, it would have been a bit thicker or it would have had a bulge in it or something. I think it's so incredibly cool to have this like super thin, again, like a computer you can pinch, right? Like (laughs) I think it's, and and for me, like the, I don't know, I I don't 
personally understand why it bothers people so much. Like that little chin that they've got left there, I don't have any problem with that. Like that says iMac to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so here is my – so we can – Turn this uh, prediction into a new prediction. Uh, okay. So let's talk about iMac Pro. Uh-huh. And what do we think? To me, so A, do we think there is going to be an iMac Pro? Yes. I mean, I think yes. And yeah. so I think the question is, is the iMac... So here's like column A is the iMac Pro is the exact same industrial design as these iMacs. But the screen is bigger, 27 inches or 30 inches or something like that. The bezel is black instead of white. And then there are perhaps other minor tweaks, but it is obviously like a bigger sibling to this computer. Column B is it's actually a different industrial design, and it is more similar to, say like the pro display xdr or something in terms of design language and it goes in that direction in which case (laughs) this like remove the chin thing might still be on the table like maybe the imac pro it kind of goes in that direction where it's not about this sexy cool little computer it's more of like a pro thing and they don't want to like they want it to be its own thing rather than a sibling to the like existing imac thoughts are are there I, is there a rumor that there is a cheaper display? Is like a strong rumor that there is a cheaper standalone display coming out? Yes. Okay. I to me, it seems like a it seems like the move they would make is well a, a chinless uh, Mac, not because they don't like the chin and they want it to go away necessarily. I mean, I could see. They want, I could see them launching a display just like this earlier prediction was that is like the same look at the front as an iMac Pro. But I could see the thing that they're really pushing on the iMac Pro is basically cooling, quiet cooling, because that's the difference here, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to have the space to have the cooling so you can really put a crazy graphics card processor in there or, you know, just have the, well, I know the M1 thing is the whole question, but have the cooling have it thicker and then having no chin because there's no reason to have the chin necessarily because you can have the thicker that seems like a pretty straightforward move to make the question though is like will they make it twice as thick because doesn't it have to be like almost like twice as thick to be able to put all the ports and stuff in there like the power cable <laughs> yeah or like it would, the I SD think- card that's why I referenced the uh, Pro Display XDR because look, take a look at that display, and I don't know the exact measurements, but it seems like it's easily twice as thick as oh. the new iMac. Um, so I think they could do something kind of more in that direction and have it exist as a separate category rather than like living in the same kind of design language space as the newly introduced. Uh, iMac. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, it's it's 27 centimeters deep, the Pro Display. And oh, but well, that's the whole thing. Yeah, you yeah. Mean millimeters? Yeah. Oh, you said centimeters. Yeah, you mean so centimeters. just the display. Sorry. Yeah, tw- the display <laughs> is 27 millimeters deep. 27 okay. centimeters. <laughs> and isn't, that's isn't over the 20. iMac 11. like 11? 11 and a half. Yeah. yeah. I think most of what you think um bigger iMac iMac Pro uh dark on the front i think they'll have some colors but it will match the iPhone Pro line so there will be like mm-hmm. a dark gray silver and like a dark blue or something maybe a dark green you know like they'll go like pro like how we have color on the iPhone and then more muted professional colors on the iPhone Pro, <laughs> which upsets me. I, I would like an iMac Pro with one of these beautiful bright colors. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's going to happen. I think it will look, industrial design-wise, pretty much just like the iMac. Mm-hmm. I think they'll put it out have a chin, and it'll be super thin. It'll be a bit thicker than this, but will still be incredibly thin. Um, one of the reasons I th- I think of this that why why I think this is. They did quite a lot in the realm of 
rethinking some stuff, like from an industrial design perspective. You know, like they have that wild magnetic power cable, which mm-hmm. has the Ethernet port mm-hmm. built into it, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I, and I feel like, wouldn't you wouldn't you want to share that, like share that yeah. thinking, like yeah. similarly to get it so thin. You know, I also mm-hmm. don't really think that even an iMac Pro is going to need a ton of cooling in it with the way that Apple would build that now because the M1, you know, like yeah. is so powerful. Like my MacBook Pro benches close to what my iMac Pro does and my iMac Pro is a big like honking thing yeah. with all these fans in it that I even a more powerful M1 chip I don't think is going to need that much difference. Like I kind of feel like that they designed the iMac and the iMac Pro together for, like this is kind of what we want this computer line to look like, but then the iMac Pro model will have some tweaks to it. Um, but that, what about graphics, though? I mean, the, the, there are rumors, which I reckon are completely spot on, that Apple's making their own chips, so they could just design it however they want to with graphics. Yeah, but I mean, I just think from a thermal perspective, isn't I mean, I don't. I'm a little bit out of my wheelhouse here, but I yeah. So from a I agree with you from like the processor point of view, mm-hmm. but you know the whole the point of like an iMac Pro with a big screen, right? It's going to be graphics heavy, right? It's like graphics, graphics, and that's where I think the heat comes from. And so I the question, and I don't know enough to really know. But the question is like if you know if there's this like a if this is a big graphics thing, you know, can, like. Can you, is the cooling, I think cooling is still an issue. It's yeah, like, I don't would know. be my guess, I d- right? I don't know. I, I, I also think that there is a further story for graphics power, which will be solved by a new Mac Pro. I, I don't know if the iMac Pro will be pushed as far as the mm-hmm. Intel iMac Pro. Like, don't mm-hmm. forget, like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's actually helpful in this discussion to really compare a new iMac Pro to the old iMac Pro. Mm-hmm. It is more fair to maybe compare an iMac Pro to a MacBook Pro over a MacBook mm-hmm. Air, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the mm-hmm. iMac Pro was supposed to be Apple's only Pro computer. It was supposed to replace the Mac Pro and be it. Oh, really? Yeah, that mm-hmm. was the, why they designed it. That was the initial... They were going to get rid of the Trashcan Mac Pro. The iMac, uh-huh. iMac Pro was supposed to be Apple's Pro machine, but then they had that kind of like... They called it the round table. They're basically come to Jesus oh, yeah. moment where they were like, and we're also going to make a Mac Pro. That Mac Pro was never supposed to exist. It's why the iMac Pro was never updated. They released once, they released like they released it and they had a couple of specs of it and they never changed a component in it for its entire life is my understanding. Yeah. They never yeah. made any significant change to it because that computer would never have existed if the Mac Pro existed. So yeah, well, I think this raises an interesting question. Like, do we even think we're going to see an iMac Pro? Are uh, they I just going to do the do. mini Mac Bigger? Pro thing with an external display? No, oh. I think we're going to get an iMac Pro. I do too. Because they only uh, have one size of this new iMac. That's why. That's why I think they'll yeah. be an iMac Pro. Yeah. my. I mean, so my prediction based on what I said, I agree with you. Like, I think it is going to be just like the a Pro version of this iMac and that it will be like the exact same stand exact same chin just like black bezel you know bigger screen um and it will have some like some other stuff s- to it right like i'm i mean yeah i don't know but i can't remember if this is rumored but i know that like the the xdr display you know the the mini led version that they just put on the mm-hmm. ipad that's coming mm-hmm. to other products. The, the, mm-hmm. the, it's coming to the laptops, and I expect at some point they will probably want to bring that to the iMac. I don't know if that would be now, but possibly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that there's like other interesting technologies that they might want to add. You know, like maybe this gets Face ID. It probably gets Touch ID with the keyboard, but who knows? You know, like I think that there are some other things that they might want to do with this product line that they haven't yet done with the other iMac and it's like these are the things that they're going to wait to to put into those machines yeah yeah so do you so it is Mm. it is rumored we're going to get an external display you said that right Mm -hmm. like that seems 
So I suppose if they do release an external display and it matches the iMac, I'll get partial credit for that prediction. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends how we read it because you, the, yeah. the prediction is when the iMac is next updated. Well, that's happened now. Yeah. No, I, I'd miss out. I, I would miss out on the part that it launches like with it mm-hmm. concurrently. That was part of the prediction. But if they do do display and it shares the like design language of the iMac, I got to get it. You think they would put a that. bezel, a chin on just a standalone display? No. no. So I think it would be like, just imagine an iMac without the chin. Which so is what have, they've like, done in the past. So like the old cinema yeah. displays and stuff, they matched the iMac in visual. They kind of matched the iMac visually, but they just didn't have a chin on them. And I think that's what they would do. Yeah. Here. And they would like, they would have it uh adjusted with the stand in a way that if you had them side by side like the screens would align okay wait dan what is your prediction here are you just predicting that they will (laughs) release a standalone display here let's get clear because that's what it sounds like you're saying it doesn't sound like it's all the same as the so i i want to just read this again because we're getting real (laughs) loosey-goosey in what we're allowing dan to say i just want partial credit is all i'm asking i don't know if you can even get that (laughs) so here's the prediction again and i'm gonna emphasize the parts that i think are important when the iMac is next updated, it will lose the chin and reduce bezels, and an identical-looking display will launch identical. at the same time. Mm-hmm. None I mean, of that if they remove right. the chin, if they release an iMac Pro with a chin and then remove the chin on the display, which you're now saying, that's not identical. Yeah. Dan. Sorry, Dan. Mm. Don't try to mm. worm out of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's fine. I accept. Yeah. I, you know, I want to know because I want to know what kind of computer to get. My computer is old. My Jeez, computer, we, our computer's the same age. I'm not getting a new computer. Isn't our computer like eight years old? What? Four years old. <laughs> Four years old. Okay. Eight I was thinking years of a laptop. Old. I was thinking of a laptop. I have a laptop. Oh. That's My laptop's eight years old. Oh, years. yeah. You should replace uh, that probably. These new iMacs are going to be. Like the it's an iMac Pro, they're gonna be they're gonna be amazing. They're gonna be yeah. unbelievable. Oh, I have a I have a future bone to pick with Apple. I I'm gonna be incre- I'm gonna be incredulous if the Pro chips are called M2. Why that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. But they <laughs> so haven't done what, it. So why are you so mad? Do you about they call it? no? Is I'm, it I'm future future incredulous. Okay. Uh, because so like it. <laughs> to me the, the whole reason to put a number behind it is yeah, so you can iterate it you can iterate it year over year so here's what so i like think they... they'll do it will be another letter or it will be a letter <laughs> after the number so it will be yes. either x1 or m1x <laughs> or something like that. i hope they do either of those but i hear people saying like m2 in the pro machines m2 and i'm like no <laughs> don't call it m2 well, unless make any unless sense. They call it M2, and then, like, in a year, the MacBook Air gets the M2. Like, it is yeah. just the next yeah, generation. Yeah, it be almost a year. I, 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 think that's, yeah. I think that's a bad, uh, like, that'll, it'll just make your MacBook Air seem like it has last year's tech or whatever. Like, it's a it's a optics thing. Even if it would be incredible to have that in your machine, I think it's bad optics. Like, but then, you'll feel like you're, old, you're always bo- buying the old right, thing. Right, but here's the problem, though. So then, if... So the next MacBook Air gets the M2 chip. Well, my iMac Pro has an M1X in it, but it's more powerful than the M2. Yeah. Right? That's now weird. we're into tricky territory. They just choose, choose a different letter. I think. Yeah, I think it I should think be a different right. letter for the Pro because it's all about like core count and stuff, right? So it's yeah. like they're going to make the M1 better and it'll be the M2, but it'll still have the same number of cores, presumably, yeah. right? And, and so they need to differentiate in a logical way. These chips are ostensibly the same, you know, like the iPhone chip and the mm-hmm. Mac chip, which is now also the iPad chip. That you know, they are, my understanding is like that they're, they're pretty much similar architecture. They just pick and choose what parts they need for each mm-hmm. machine yeah. or like, the, as you say, mm-hmm. they increase the cores or whatever, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're of a family. Uh, so you get yeah. like a 14 M one X one. Yeah. But I think, I think something really nice is happening with the product lineup where there's a real, 
kind of clarity happening where I think it's so cool with the M1 where you're essentially just choosing form factor and but you know you're kind of getting more or less the same power yep. no matter what you choose and then I think they'll do that with the pros where it's like do you want a uh, MacBook Pro laptop or do you want an iMac Pro desktop and they're going to be like very comparable kind of power wise because they'll have the same chip but you're just choosing uh, form factor i think that introduces just kind of a real nice clarity in the lineup so i, I like that direction like to butt in here and uh say that everything is still moving towards unifying oh, no. the os's i'm just oh boy to butt in here and say that uh the way they talk about uh ipads and their in their little can i keynote, can i give you a quote from greg joswiak <laughs> Uh, of Apple. Oh, yeah. People sure. say that we're merging them into one, that there's really this grand conspiracy that we have to eliminate the two categories and make them one. And the reality is neither is true. We're quite proud of the fact that we work really, really hard to create the best products in their respective category. That guy I know that it doesn't, doesn't mean anything because they can just say okay. whatever they want, but you know, <laughs> I just. I I stand by what I said, I believe, at the time that your two year time frame incredibly aggressive we're six months into that now just wait yep you made that prediction in november 2020 i have a question tom yes is what if they released an ipad pro okay that is able to dual boot into mac os you would not. You it, would not claim victory with that product, and right? IPad, no, no. I'm no. clear. It's a the first step, right? As we talked about, is the name. Is the name like they're making this intention that it's like one OS? Uh, there's only one OS now. You call it name. Apple OS, which is like a yeah, Apple OS or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that the UI is merged because I mean we say it here, like so. But I'm just saying, like the thing that I thought was possible in two years are now 18 months is like <laughs> that the name like the names are smashed together just like they're doing with the processor just like they're doing you know everything where like mm-hmm. they're just like there's one os now um but they'll still have two ui things and then it's like i said four years you know for yeah together UI. the so you they are they're doing the opposite of that though in terms of the naming like why do you think they branched off iPad OS and gave it its own name when under the covers it's still just iOS like why I, they're going in the well, opposite direction well they did that like a couple years ago I think the reason they did that is because they wanted the iPad to stand on its own to make it seem more like a laptop like that mm-hmm. to me is the very obvious the thing that it's more and more clear like the very obvious thing is like they want everyone to think the iPad is like a laptop but that you can also like put on a tripod or whatever, right? It's like this thing that you can do everything with. And to me, that points to this general, you know, gestalt of like, everything is getting simplified. It's going to get flattened. Uh, And so to me, it feels like we're all right on track. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I had some uh, a little bit of clarity in my... uh, opinion of this where i think like a good argument against that is apple is a company that wants to make the best product it can to serve certain roles and like that has to exist as like two products or whatever so be it so here's like a good kind of thought exercise is like imagine an iMac sitting on a desk with a magic keyboard and a magic mouse in front of it and like the experience of using that computer. And now imagine a Mac mini sitting on a desk connected to an external monitor with a magic mouse and a magic keyboard connected to it. Those two computing setups are much more similar than an iPad Pro and a MacBook. So why do they offer those two computers? Well, the answer is because there are some people that just want an all-in-one thing that's really nice and they want to serve that audience, Mm -hmm. but there are also some other people that want an external display so they can choose the size or they want to rack mount it and do some wild thing and 
So those are very, very similar setups and computers, but they're willing to make two different products to serve two slightly different needs. So the idea that Apple's whole drive is like simplify, simplify, simplify in terms of a product alignment and have everything merge, I don't think is actually true with how they bring products to market. I th- I think that's kind of true. I mean, I'm guessing that that I'm at the mini is a little bit more complex than that. You know how they were like basically killed it. And then everyone was like, hey, we use these for server farms. We need them. They're like, okay, we'll keep it around. So I think that's like a little bit complex of a, uh, an, like a metaphor, like analogy. But the, to, to me, the thing that feels like really incongruous is like the iPad and the like air web are getting so close to each other that it feels almost ridiculous to buy an air in some ways, right? It's like right on the, it's just getting closer and closer, like with them adding on the iPad Pro, like the like actual USB-C, like actual port. And so it, that to me is the thing that feels like, it's like the thing that sticks out as like here, it, you know, this is the, they want it to be so. Like they want it to be that this is actually just one thing. And to me, that's the inflection point. Like to me, that's the hint that uh, is kind of driving my thinking on all that. It's like that feels weird to me that they would have this iPad Pro that they're really invested in and this Air, like, because they're so close, you know? Guess we'll see. We'll see. Thoroughly considered as a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 69.